You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Well, welcome. I'm excited to get to share with you this morning. I uh, get to deliver the message on our fall kickoff, and it's such an awesome privilege. And uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about the church, and specifically, we're going to be talking about our church. And the title of this message this morning is The Church, Family, Love, and Community. When I was preparing this message, I began to reflect on who are we as a church, and what culture is it that we're wanting to develop here at Colic Community Church. About five or six years ago, Rhea and I had left Cold Lake and we moved to Victoria. And uh, we were gone for 11 months. And when we moved there, it was kind of an interesting experience because we had to go start looking for a church. I'd never had to do that before. I've, I've always just been plugged in at a church. I've never gone looking for a church and going from church to church to see which church kind of fits with us. And it was a new experience for me. And there was a church that was a POC church that was a large church on Vancouver Island. And we were really excited to go visit this church. And uh, it seemed to have everything that I thought I was looking for in a church. It had a lot of young people. It had a lot of life and vibrancy. It had amazing worship. It had some amazing, talented speakers. And I thought, this is going to be the place. And we went. And something just didn't quite just feel right. We went in and We'd gone three or four times, and we didn't really feel connected. Have you ever gone into a church for the first time and kind of wandered around, not sure what to do or where to go, and no one really approaches you or talks to you or tells you what's up? There's a little coffee bar, but I didn't know, is it appropriate to take coffee into the sanctuary or not? What's what's the etiquette here at this church? And and we went four or five times. We went to some young adult services in the evenings. We went to church on Sunday. And... I don't know, it just didn't feel like home. There's a reason that we call it our home church. And I believe that your home church should feel like home. And when you go and spend time with God's people, it should feel like family. And there should be love there. I thought I was looking for certain things, and what God showed me was what I was really looking for was a place where I felt welcome where I felt known, where when I went in, somebody recognized me and was excited that I was there. Some place that I belonged, some place that felt like home to me. One day we were leaving this church and we were walking in downtown Victoria and we walked past this really, really old Anglican church. It was called a Church of Our Lord. And they had this big banner on the outside that said the table at a time, and we looked at it, and we thought, this is the type of church that I never would have ever thought of going to. It's an Anglican church. It's like the second oldest building in the whole town. And uh, so we thought, you know what? Why don't we go try it out? They had a service at 4.30 in the afternoon, and we showed up, and there was a meal. And so we sat down right away. People were greeting us at the door. People were connecting with us, and we felt really at home. We went in and had a meal and sat around a table with a bunch of people, And in about a 20-minute period, we felt like we had made some friends, some people that we really connected with, and 
this church, this old building that was amazing. It was a beautiful building that I would have thought would have felt kind of distant and archaic, not archaic, but like uncomfortable because it's just so formal and so majestic. Just felt like home. But it wasn't the building. It was the people. It was the people who knew Jesus who invited us into their home church and made us feel like we were in their home. We sat around tables and we ate. And following, the, following this meal, we had a service. And as Rhea and I were walking home, we both agreed that this church felt like home to us. What kind of church culture, what kind of experience are we wanting to give people when it's their first time here at Cola Community Church? Did you ever think about that when you come here on a Sunday morning? Or are we largely thinking about the, the people that we're wanting to connect with after service? Imagine if you were to invite people over to your home and people showed up at your door and they came in and nobody really talked to them because you were so busy talking with your friends and they just kind of started drifting around your home, not sure what to do. They needed to use the bathroom but they didn't know where it was and they felt too uncomfortable to ask. And so they just kind of wandered around for a bit, didn't connect with anybody and left. We would never do that. If you invited somebody to your home, you'd invite them in, you'd greet them, you'd, you'd talk to them, you'd make them feel comfortable, you'd probably sit them down, offer them something to drink, would you like a coffee, a glass of water, show them where the bathrooms are. Do everything you can to make them feel comfortable and at home. And I believe that's what church should be. When people come in, Tacola Community Church. We're a place where families connect. This building is where we come to connect as the family of God. And what an amazing opportunity that we have to leave such an amazing first impression on people when they come to visit us. And it makes a huge difference. I remember Pastor Lance had a story about somebody who once referred to Tacola Community Church as that love church or the love church. What an amazing legacy to have. Could you imagine if that was what we were known for all the time. Cola Community Church, that, that love church, that church where people go in there and they just feel loved. They come out into the community and they change the atmosphere of everywhere they go because they just love people with such a sincere approach without wanting anything in return. They just love like the world's never seen. You see, the church is family. It's love and it's community. The church, we have this church building here, but the church is not the building. The church are the people that come to gather in this building on a regular basis. And just as the church is not a building, a family is not a house. Your family are the people who know you, who love you, and the people who are blood-related to you. The home is a place that you occupy, and at times, it's the central point where you gather as a family. But if you were to pick up your family and move, you'd still be a family. You just may be a family without a house. And Colette Community Church, we are a family. But we're not connected just because of this building. We're connected because of the Spirit of God that lives in all of us. It's not about the building. We come here to gather, and this building 
has significance because we've given it significance. We've built this building. Well, we didn't build it, but we renovated it. And we've prayed over this building. And we've consecrated it and set it apart to be a holy place where we will gather and worship God. But beyond that, this building is just brick and drywall and metal beams. But the true temple now is our hearts. We are where the Holy Spirit, the presence of God dwells. And wherever we go, God goes. And wherever we go becomes holy ground. Amen? So when we as a church get outside this building and go meet in our homes, when we get outside this church and go to work, when we go outside and gather at a park or gather at a restaurant after church on Sunday, we are the church. Ephesians 4, 4 to 6 says this, we are all one body, we have the same spirit, and we've been called to the same glorious future. There's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all of us and in us all and living through us. In the youth this year, we're tackling a couple different concepts from the word of God. One is that the kingdom of God is not just words, but is living in God's power. And two, by the mighty power of God working through us, we can accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare to ask or think. It says here that we are connected in the Holy Spirit who is over us, in us, and living through us. There's one God the Father, which makes all of us sons and daughters of one Father, which through the blood covenant, through Jesus, his bloodshed on the cross makes us not just relatives in a spiritual sense, but literally the blood washes us all clean. And we are all one in family, a spiritual family. I was recently listening to a radio program about trees. I know this sounds really boring. You may think I'm barking up the wrong tree, but it's going to get really good. Here we go. A biologist was sharing, this lady was sharing about this new research that they've been doing over the last few years regarding how forests are these complex biological pathways that connect thousands of individual trees together underground. And it turns out that the roots of these tree systems, in a lot of ways, work almost like the human brain. Literally, there's these electrical magnetic currents that flow through the root systems of trees. And roots, they've discovered, from plants and trees can actually hear sound. They can seek out water. And they've been doing experiments where they, they know that there's water and the roots find the water. And they have to be very specific about where the roots go. Because if they go to the wrong place and there's no water there, they're going to die. And so what, what they did was they took this pipe and they put it in the water and they ran water through it. And then they took some plants in another area and where there was some water underground. And then they took a sound machine that sounded like flowing water and they planted it with some plants. And then they planted some plants near no water at all, completely bone dry. And the amazing thing was the plant roots successfully figured out how to make their way to the water, how to make their way to the water that was flowing through a pipe that wasn't exposed to the ground fully. But the most amazing thing was these plant roots find their way to the sound of trickling water. 
On the surface, we see a bunch of trees. But underneath the ground is the circuitry of roots that are all connected one together. The interconnectedness of all the roots allow them to communicate with one another, permitting the trees to effectively behave as a single organism. The root systems have the ability to communicate through the transfer of carbon atoms, nitrogen, phosphorus, water, photochemical hormones, and they even have the ability to send defense signals to other trees to help them protect against disease and infestations. So what they were seeing was that as a bug infestation would come, they see trees that were farther out, pretty far away, starting to build up defense mechanisms against whatever infestation that they were seeing. And they couldn't figure out how this was happening, but what they've discovered is that through the roots, these trees are communicating, and they operate almost like one system. Isn't it an amazing thing? Just like a forest that's connected by roots, so are we as the family of God connected by one spirit, by one God, who's living in all of us. In John 17, Jesus is praying in the garden. He knows the time is near where he's about to be crucified. And he prays this. He says, I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, may they be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Isn't it amazing how we see parallels of God's nature in nature? It's an amazing thing. But the problem sometimes is that the things of God are often unseen. They're things that happen, and we can't always explain them. But we see the effects of them. Just like when that infestation comes into a forest, and a tree maybe 10 kilometers away is starting to build up defense mechanisms, starting to produce a sap or hormones and things to try to deter these bugs. So God operates in our lives through the gifts of the Spirit, through the Spirit operating in our life. Sometimes he'll do it in a way where he'll deposit a word of knowledge for somebody. Sometimes it's through pastoral gifts. Sometimes it's through healing. And all the, all the gifts of the Spirit that you read about in Ephesians and in the Bible or ways that God confirms that spirit in us. It's been an amazing thing. I know Pastor Hayward and I have been taking some time and, and seeking God, and what's the clear focus and direction of our church for this next season? But what's amazing is the more people that I, I talk to, the more commonality that I'm seeing, that the people that are pressing in and seeking the face of God, God is depositing things into their heart that are from his heart for our community. And there's this common thread that's being developed in all these different people in our church congregation, different leaders, different members of the church that serve in different areas. And it's an amazing thing. There's one God that we all serve, and he is speaking to us, and he confirms his spirit through each one of our lives. We are all connected by the spirit of God, and we're connected by God's love by his blood in the new covenant. We're children of God, and we make up the family of God. Family, like branches on a tree, we all grow in different directions, yet our root systems remain as one. When we build our foundation on Christ, there'll be unity. When we each individually press in to the heart of God, when you gather 
with the people of God, there'll be unity because God will show you what's in his heart. Something that is so important as followers of Jesus is that we stay connected with Jesus every single day. That we intentionally seek him every morning for that fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. That we would be filled with the Spirit and Spirit-led every single day. At CLCC, we are a group composed of many families where we're families connect to form one big family of God. But like any family, our impact with one another will be dependent on how much time we spend with one another. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says this, let us consider how to stir one another up to the love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. It's really hard to love and encourage people when you never see them. And sometimes when we get a little discouraged, there's a natural tendency to isolate ourselves from people. But when we are hurting, when we have things going on in our life, we need to do the opposite of what our flesh wants to do, which is to isolate ourselves and be alone. We need to come together as a church and support one another and walk in relationship with one another and be a community. And that is one of the privileges of being part of a church, being part of a community, is that you have this whole network of support that God has given you, people who are family members that love you and support you. But when we choose to isolate ourselves and do it on our own, it's too easy for us to be picked off. There's safety in numbers. There's a reason why the shepherd can leave the 99 and go and search for the one. The Christian life was never designed to be something that we do on our own. The human life was never one that we were meant to do on our own. One, we were meant to do it in relationship with God, fully in communion with him every single day, and two, with each other. Here at Coley Community Church, we desire to be a church filled with people who seek the face of God, a church that disciples and raises up spirit-filled leaders who follow after Jesus with all their heart. However, this can only be done when we are a church that's united, united in love and walking in relationship with one another. And this fall, I really believe that the Lord wants us to remember that everything we do as a church needs to be grounded in him and grounded in his love. So now I'm giving you a new commandment, Jesus said in John 13. Love each other just as I've loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The love that God brings to our life is different than the love that's in the world. I used to think it was the same before I came to know who Jesus was. I went to church for about six months on a, re on a weekly basis, sometimes two, three times, trying to figure out who this God was that I had encountered as a teenager when I was 14. But the problem, unfortunately, is in the English language, we only have one word for love, and it's so insufficient. We use the same word love when I'm talking about my computer as when I'm talking about my wife. I use the same computer when I'm talking about the poutine that we're going to be eating in a couple weeks as the most intimate act that I'll ever do with my wife. 
For some people in this room, you may be saying, sex, eating, pretty close. <laughs> Might be some talented people in here that can do both at the same time. But I'm just going to leave it at that. Yes, I said it. In John 15, Jesus explains the measure of love. And he says this. He says, the greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. See, God's love is a different type of love than we see in the world. Then we are capable of giving in and of our own flesh, in and of our, of our own self, without the Spirit of God and activation in us. You see, the love of the world looks out for the welfare of ourself. The love of God looks for the welfare of others over self. The, a true love, a pure love that comes from God, is one that glorifies God over man. It's a love that begins from the very heart of God, not from the heart of man. You see, God's love transcends anything that the carnal mind and our bodies and our flesh can comprehend. Love without relationship with Christ is incomplete. God's love is greater than any love that we could ever offer in our own strength or by our own will. And apart from God, nothing bears eternal consequence. For God is love. When I first came to Christ at the age of 14, I was so full of self-righteousness. Like I said before, I had this very powerful encounter where I encountered the presence of God and it led me down a path of exploring God for the first time. And I would return to God and this church week after week. I'd hear the word of God being preached and something in my heart would just leap. Every single week, I wanted to respond to whatever the message was. But my mind was saying no. My mind was saying <clears throat> that it wasn't ready yet. It had to comprehend everything. But my heart, I was just, it was, it was this battle, complex battle going on inside of me. Because I'd hear God's word being preached. And in my heart, I knew that there was truth and life in the gospel. But my mind was my biggest stumbling block. And it needed to be renewed. And when I go to youth, I'd look around at these kids that were supposedly Christians. And I went to school with most of them and I'd see their behavior at school and I'd see their behavior at youth. And I was one of those kids who was a really good kid. I volunteered my time, I was very respectful to adults, to teachers. I was just that guy that was friends with everybody. And I'd look around at these Christian kids and I knew by every measure of, of conduct that I knew that I surpassed them. And so I thought, how is it that I need God, but it seems like they still need God too? And I was very confused. And um, I really struggled for a while, but the problem was my heart was full of pride. And my head was equating <clears throat> my righteousness with my ability to do good things. And I didn't have the love of God in me yet. I thought that I knew how to love. 
But if I were to be honest, I loved by a worldly standard, one that was rooted in self-glorification and ultimately was looking, for my own, looking out for my own welfare. And I can tell you how I know that because my love was not unconditional. There was a time in my life where I felt like if I did something nice for someone and it wasn't acknowledged or reciprocated, I would stop loving that person. I would change my behavior because I felt it wasn't worth it. But the love that comes from the heart of God is not looking for something in return. For God so loved the world that he gave, and he gave us eternal life, everyone that chooses to believe in him and follow him. And he died when we were yet sinners. If we love people, always with an intention that we're wanting them to do something or become something or twist their arm to be something we think they should be or do. It's perverted love. God's love is unconditional, which means we love whether we, they love us back. And in truth, I was talking to David about this a couple of weeks ago that sometimes when people are rude, aren't nice, do things that we don't understand, sometimes those are the people that God wants to love the most, that need his love the most. And God has put his spirit in us, and us, the church, are the body of Christ that is being called to go out into a broken world and to be love to broken people, to bring the love of Christ through our words, through our actions, through our deeds, but first and foremost, for seeking God's will and his heart for people. And when we live from a place of seeking God's heart for people, our interactions with every single person that we meet will be different. As God's children, we must continue to ask God for his heart and his mind over every situation. God's love must be the foundation of everything that we do. 1 Corinthians 13 says this, if I could speak any language in heaven and on earth, but I didn't love others, I would only be making meaningless noise, like a loud gong or a clashing cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I knew all the mysteries of the future and knew everything about everything, but didn't love others, what good would that be? If I had the gift of faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move, without love, I would be no good to anybody. If I give everything I have to the poor and even sacrifice my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, it would be of no value whatsoever. As the church, we need to know the love of God. We need to know his heart for us, and our identity needs to be rooted in his love. Our identity must be based on who he says we are, what his word says we are, and not on how we feel. But we also need his heart for others. Paul tells us to hold to the truth in love, becoming more like Christ every day. But we won't become like Christ every day without a fresh revelation from God the Father every day. We receive this as we spend time in his presence and his word, and as we sincerely seek his face. I was having a conversation with a friend a few weeks ago, and we were discussing a situation where 
a gentleman had come up and was asking for money. And as we were walking away, I said to him, you know what, most of the time, you know, I, I almost never give money. I try to give practical things, like I'll, I'll, you know, go buy them a meal or give them a gift card or something, because I don't know how they're going to spend that money. And the Lord just squeezed my heart. Have you ever felt that? Where you say or do something, and you just get this check in your spirit, like, ooh, stop. Something's not right there. But anyhow, I just, you know, knowing me, spiritual me, just pressed right on through with the conversation, ignoring God. And uh, <laughs> later that week, when I was in my devotional time and reading my word, God brought that moment back to me. He said, no, I'm not letting you off the hook on this one. I want you to learn something. And he brought me back to that conversation where I said, I'll never do this. I always do this. And what the Lord showed me was that in that moment, I had prejudged that person and that situation with my limited knowledge from what I could see. But that God knew what that person needed. And I bypassed God and made that decision on my own. And rather than allowing God to tell me what he wanted to do in that person's life. I made a quick decision that was rooted more in judgment than it was in love. We need to be people who are always seeking the heart of God for every situation. And maybe in situations like that, maybe he'll ask us to do above and beyond. Maybe, you know, someone's just asking for a dollar, but maybe he'll ask you to give him 500 bucks. Maybe what God, God knows that that person just needs a hug and somebody to listen to them for 15 minutes about what, going, what is going on in their life. Or maybe God will ask you to pray for that person. I don't know what God may ask you to do. But the point is, if we're not in tune with the Spirit, we don't know either. And if we're not seeking his heart for every situation and every interaction, we'll miss things. We'll miss opportunities to be Christ to a broken world by his mighty power working through us. It's not by our works. It's not by our measure of what is good. It's by God working in and through us to bring his will, to demonstrate his love to a broken world. The scripture is often read and associated with weddings. But in the context of Corinthians here, it's talking about the church and spiritual gifts. It says this, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable, and it keeps no record of when it is wronged. It's never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, and is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. As the church, when we are connected with Jesus and we have the heart of Jesus in our life, we will grow in patience and we will grow in kindness. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And so when we find that we're in church and we're not being patient and we're not being kind, we just take, just take a moment and just check our heart. Say, God, what's going on? You see, love is not jealous or boastful, proud or rude. I used to struggle with spiritual jealousy, especially around gifts. 
I would see people that had an amazing singing voice, and I'd think, man, I wish that I could get up there and worship God like that. And I'd get into my room, and I had a little guitar, and I can play a little bit of chords on a piano. But I just, something in me had always wished that, that other people hearing me worship would enjoy it as much as I am in that moment. And usually that's not the case, unfortunately. But I would see other people operating in their gifts, and I would want them so badly. And I would see other people's abilities to do things. And what I began to realize, what God showed me, is that he's given me certain things that are my natural gifting that I'll operate from, but that he wants me to trust in him all the time. And that when I'm living filled with the Spirit, that he will deposit in me whatever I need when he asks me to do something. And so he's graced me with the ability to be able to get on this stage and share and speak in front of a crowd of people without my legs going crazy. And some people would rather die than do what I'm doing right now. Some people, this is one of their greatest fears. For me, it would be jumping out of, a, out of an airplane with a parachute. I've watched, oh. I used to think I wanted to do that. Maybe something changes when you have kids. I don't know. But I look at my little kids and I think, I can't do that to you. I love you too much to take that kind of risk. But you know what? God loved us that much that he literally went out on a limb of a tree for us. I've never said that before. That was good. Christ went out on a limb for you. Amen? Yeah. I'm barking up the right tree, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Where do I go from there? You see, as the church, I love the church. I love being part of the church. And I find it so funny how my family sometimes misunderstands what the church is. I think my mom thinks it's a social club that you have membership to, but that the membership fees are just way too high. And my brother thinks that the church is just after your money, which I tell him, if I was really after money, you think living in Cold Lake, I would be pursuing pastoral ministry? Really? If, I, if that was my sole goal in life, it's to amass as much wealth as possible, trying to get... Christians to tithe is the easiest way to do that? I don't think so. It is not easy to get people to let go of money. Trust me. I've tried. I've been involved in lots of fundraisers. I was that little Boy Scout that knocked on your door selling popcorn as a kid. And they say, oh, I wish you were the Girl Scouts with your cookies. No. Door closed. I'd be like, oh, no. I'd go home crying. It was so sad. But it is hard. To get people to part from money. We don't do this for your money. And we talk about tithing. We send a basket around every Sunday because we know the blessing there is when we surrender our lives to God, every aspect of our life, including our finances. Amen? And really, it's for you. It's not for me, although hopefully there's enough in there for me. But... You know what I'm saying? I kind of, yeah, you get what I'm saying. So as the church, we come together.
And when we look at the beginning of the church, where it all started in Acts, it says this, that in Acts 2.46, they worshiped at the temple together each day. They met at their homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with glad and sincere hearts, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. Who here wants to see people being added to the church, people being saved every day? A few scriptures before this, it explains a moment where 3,000 people came to the Lord in a matter of minutes. God wants to radically transform this community with his love. He wants people to know who he is and know who they are in him so that they can live from a place of freedom, that they can know what true love is and they can walk in eternal life. Jesus, in the book of John, says eternal life is this, to know the one true God, the Father, and the Son in whom he sent. It's that simple. That is eternal life, to know Jesus. And we don't want to hold this for ourselves. We want to share it. But what did the church do? It says they worshiped at the temple together each day. Obviously, we're not going to come here every single day and do a worship service. It's just not practical for our life. But we need to be meeting on a regular basis. We do a Sunday service once a week. And it's good to attempt to try to be here as much as possible because God is moving. And we don't want anybody to miss out on what God is doing. It then says that they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with glad and sincere hearts. When you are part of the church of God, you should never go home hungry and lonely. Ever. But sometimes if you are hungry and and lonely, the best thing you can do is offer somebody a meal and be a friend to someone else. Because I can guarantee you that if you are feeling lonely, there's somebody two seats over from you that is also feeling lonely. And as a community, we need to be gathering together. We need to be meeting with friends, sharing meals with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And as we do that, as we connect as a church, the more we connect and live in community, the stronger our bonds will be with one another. But we'll be walking in relationship and we'll be ready and prepared and equipped to do what God calls us to do. I had a, this week when I was praying, I had a moment where I had a little bit of a vision. And last Sunday, Melanie came up to me and and we prayed about, you know, what God wanted to do in that service and, and um, if there was maybe a missed opportunity there uh, for delivery, to deliver time at the front to, to, to minister to people for healing. And this week I had this, this kind of vision when I, was, when I was praying about people in our church meeting together in their homes around the, their dinner tables and having communion, not just eating, but literally taking some bread and breaking it like we do once a month here at church, but doing communion around their table. 
and a spirit of healing coming down and everybody at that table's bodies being completely made whole. Sometimes we think we have to wait for that next conference or that next service. But that same God that's at that service, that's at that next conference is in you right now, wanting to come out. God's not procrastinating on your healing. He's not. But church is so much more than Sunday morning. This is one level, one aspect of gathering together to praise and worship God. But the other half is living in community every day, being the church. And as we continue to live together, meeting together, breaking bread with one another, praising God together in our homes, outside of this building, we're going to see something change. Doesn't mean we don't come up and do, do altar ministry. Absolutely we do. But it's not confined to here. It needs to be a lifestyle. It needs to be something that we live out every single day. Not that we just store up for Sunday morning. The most important thing that we can do for our kids is model it. A lot of the friends that I went to youth group with that were born and raised in the church are no longer serving God right now. Many of them believe in God, but they're not actively serving the kingdom of God. And I think sometimes it's because they see the hypocrisy sometimes in the lives of Christian people, where we live our life one way six days a week, and then we come to church and we become these spiritual people on a Sunday morning. Your kids know if you were just in the biggest argument of your life as you pulled up to the church. And when you come in and if you put on a mask every morning and you pretend like everything is great when your life is falling apart. If there's one place where we should be able to be honest and live from a place of sincerity, it's the church. But if we don't have people in our life that we're living with, then when we have struggles in our marriage, when we have issues that come up that we call and connect with and get prayer for, that we gather with during the week, or every second week on a regular basis, we're missing out on a huge part of what it means to be part of a church. We really are. And in conclusion, I'll finish off with this. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 to 14. This is be on guard. Stand true to what you believe. Be courageous, be strong, and let everything you do be done with love. Father, I thank you this morning that you are love. God, I thank you for the church, for the people of God, for the family of God. Lord, would we be people who follow you? Follow your example. God, would you just download to our hearts, your heart, for the people around us. God, I thank you that you are the judge, and I don't have to be. So God, I pray that you would pull any judgmental roots out of my heart this morning.
Lord, that my whole focus and aim in life would be to know you. God, I thank you, Lord, that you've given us this church, that you've given us this building to come and gather and worship. And God, I thank you that you are stirring in our hearts a desire to know you more and to share what we have, what, God, you have shown us and taught us with others. And God, I thank you, Lord, that you are developing people, leaders in this church who want to go and disciple new believers and disciple people and bring them to a place of maturity in the faith and in their understanding of who you are in the word of God. And Lord, I thank you, God, that it's not confined to this building, but God, you're going to do it through the everyday, ordinary parts of our life. God, I thank you that you bring the supernatural into the natural. God, that you take the ordinary and make it extraordinary. Father, I thank you, Lord, for today that we have this amazing opportunity to gather together and, and have pulled pork. And God, I thank you, Lord, that you are moving in our midst. And God, I just pray that we would have an amazing meal tonight, that this afternoon, that you would bless it to our bodies, that you'd bless our communion and our fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. Before anybody goes this morning, with the people that are serving, the people that have something that they need to go do, I forgot I was going to put it in my slide, you're, you're going to be released first. And if you're face painting, if you're doing something with the kids, would you just go and grab a plate and grab a bun and eat, and we'll follow you after in a few moments and uh, give you the opportunity to eat so that you can be prepared to serve. And God, we just bless you that are serving here this morning. And when you see the people that have been putting in long hours this morning, cooking and making salads and putting stuff in the oven, would you just give them a little pat on the shoulder and say thank you and acknowledge them. There's something special about being acknowledged. I don't know. But anyhow, God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, please come up to the front. I'd love to pray with you. And um, yeah, let's enjoy it. Let's have an amazing afternoon just having fellowship. I'll be running a watermelon eating contest in about an hour. So who here, after they fed up with pulled pork, come on out. We'll have a few puke pails out there for you. And um, it's going to be fantastic. Right now we have a few kids that have signed up, but I know there's a few adults here that want to go home with a dirty shirt. I know it. I know you're in here. So there's still the sign-up sheet out on the table, so go sign your name up. And uh, in a little bit, we'll go outside. If you just want to hang out and gather outside, there's three boxes of ring toss that you can partake of. And if you don't know how to play, find somebody that knows how to play. It's pretty easy. You set the two boxes apart. And Anyhow, find me. I'll explain the rules to you. Um, and let's just enjoy each other's time and our presence with each other and our time just hanging out. Amen? Awesome. You have been listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.